0: Welcome to the Faith and Good Counsel Show, where we talk about ways to live a healthy, virtuous, and joy-filled life amid the challenges of our modern world. And now, your host, Stacey Galino. I am so delighted that you are joining me here today for episode number 304 of the Faith and Good Counsel Show. It's always such a pleasure to be joining you wherever you are, whether you're exercising right now with those little earbuds in your ears or whether you're driving in your car listening, it is my delight and thank you so much for spending time with me here today. I wanted to let you know, you've probably noticed that I have been absent for a little while in doing podcasting and so forth. My last podcast was way back in January, the beginning of the year this year in 2017. And prior to that, it's been a little quiet on the faith and good counsel front. There are reasons for that. It's been a challenging season of life for me and a number of my loved ones, family and friends. But I'm delighted to say that I am in preparation now for a new season of Faith and Good Counsel. Yay! Just sitting here with you right now in front of the microphone is bringing me so much joy, and I'm really excited about some of the new things that I'll be bringing to the podcast. I can just feel the Lord inspiring me and giving me that that the grace and the energy, if you will, that I need, and the head space and the heart space that I need to focus now uh, more intently on on my work. And I'm so grateful for that. I've missed you. I've missed doing radio. I've missed being with my friends at Catholic Radio on the Wake Up Morning Show and doing actually the Faith and Good Counsel there at the radio station. Now I just produce it here in my own studio, which is a, some of you may know, a little Catholic church that is now my studio. She was set for demolition, but through the efforts of a very holy priest and my very holy husband, this studio where I now produce faith and good counsel and do much of my other work all for the glory of God, all for the Lord in this beautiful, holy, holy place where the sacraments were received and offered, where the Eucharist was consecrated, where people were baptized and married and buried. It is a beautiful gift to have this studio, Our Lady of Perpetual Help Chapel, which is now my studio. Amazing, a great gift. Every day when I walk in here, I thank God for this great, glorious gift and just pray to be open to what it is that the Lord and Our Lady ask of me. So I'm not quite ready to jump right in. As I said, I'm in preparations for doing a new season of Faith and Good Counsel. And believe me, it is a season of preparation before you ever turn the mic on. And so I'm in that process of gathering information, planning the different segments that I'm going to do. I'm going to introduce segments to uh, the Faith and Good Counsel show, much like I used to do Uh, with Johnny A. Bear, the wonderful Johnny A. Bear and the crew at Catholic Radio on the morning program. I really enjoyed that format and I've been missing that format and there's so much to say and so I do want to introduce so much to say in little nuggets, in little segments over the course of a 30 or 45 minute podcast. So that's something that I'm developing as we speak and that I will be offering to you in the areas that are of interest to me and I know hopefully, that are of interest to you as well, all to minister to our hearts and our minds and our bodies. And you know my areas of interest, you know my passion. So those uh, those areas are the, the areas that I will be breaking up into little segments and talking with you about and hoping to hear from you about what you think and what you'd like to hear about as well. I do invite you to join me today, however, for a, a podcast that I wasn't planning on doing, but I was contacted by a colleague, my friend, you may recall from Faith and Good Counsel last year in 2016, Dr. Donna Farguson, child adolescent psychiatrist, joined me to talk about trauma and some of the things that were going on in the Baton Rouge area and how to protect our children and ourselves from the ravages of trauma. Um, This was the time you may recall when there were uh, killings going on in our city. Horrific time. So she is back with me today for a preseason, if you will, faith and good counsel episode. She contacted me because she is become very concerned about a series that is playing on a popular streaming site. The series is called 13 Reasons Why. And the reason she is concerned is because parents don't seem to know that their children are watching this series that has to do with suicidality. And she is very concerned about the graphic nature and the messages that are either covert or overt in this particular series, as well as some of what she considers fallout from this particular series and other influences as well in her own psychiatric practice in terms of an uptick in suicidality in her clinical practice. After talking with Donna myself, in private conversation about this series and about the effect that it had on her personally. Pretty shocking to me and very concerning to me. I thought it prudent to move forward, though I'm not ready for my full Faith and Good Counsel new season just yet, I thought it prudent and I thought it necessary, given the timeliness of this particular concern, that we should move forward, at least with this, what I'm calling a pre-season Faith and Good Counsel episode. So please listen in as we invite Dr. Donna Farguson to talk with us today about 13 Reasons Why. After the show today, do check out my website, stacygalino.com Look for this blog post that has to do with this particular episode today, and I will post show notes today that will be a source of information and resource for you as you navigate learning about this series, learning about the effects that it could have on someone that you know and that you love and what you can do to help. So, without further ado, let's listen to my conversation with Dr. Donna Farguson about 13 Reasons Why. I'm talking today with Dr. Donna Farguson of Family Focus. Donna, thanks so much for joining me here today. Thank you for having me i glad to be here. Yes, and I'm so glad you're coming back, and I just appreciate so much the gifts that you bring to our community, and now really to the whole wide world, to our listenership, your expertise and your heart in the area of psychiatry, and just your love of people, and your love of children and adolescents and families. So, thanks so much mm-hmm. for all that that you do. I want to know first. I want to share with our listeners before we get started into our topic today about 13 reasons why something that we are both very, very concerned about, especially you in the realm of what you do every day as you receive people into your practice. But I'd like people first of all to know just remind them a little bit about family focus and what the family focus mental health clinic is all about. So
1: family focus is about the family, very obviously. Yes. And we don't really always treat just one person at a time, or we don't always treat just the intended patient. So people are brought to us, whether it be kids or grownups, and we try to really tease things out and figure out how to help the whole family. Yes,
0: because Mm -hmm. we live in the context of our relationships. We do. We We really do. do. So um, what we do and what we do not do affects so many. I I love that about family focus that that we do certainly uh, that you do rather. See, I still see myself as part of family focus. You are always part of family
1: focus. (laughs) You started it with me as our our baby.
0: Yes. And I miss y'all so much. I still I feel like I'm just serving in another way. And here we are, you know, back together again. But, you know, we were talking we'll just I'd rather just head on into this very, very important topic that has to do with suicidality, just something that just grieves my heart, and I know yours too, the loss of a life senselessly, Mm -hmm. right? And you and I were speaking recently about a popular series on a streaming network that's very, um, very popular in the culture. We won't name that particular streaming site, but I bet you'll recognize it once we begin to speak about this particular show called 13 Reasons Why. And the title itself is kind of intriguing. You wouldn't know what it's about. No. I have not watched this series. I don't plan to watch the series. The things that I've been hearing and seeing and reading about it caused me to think that coming from, you know, my own life experience and certain things that I've experienced in my life, that it would not be good for me. I don't think it's good for to a watch- lot of people. The problem is, and this is
1: what I was expressing to you the other day, is that I think almost all of the adolescents, um, youth in our country are watching the series. And that's what's so scary to me. There are so many incidents of kids watching this series at, at very young ages. I've heard of, of someone down to 10 years old, unsupervised. And it, the, the subject matter is so graphic and so disturbing. That that was why I reached out to you to talk to you about how upset I am that parents don't know about this series because my daughter and I watch a lot of just old shows. We watched the Gilmore Girls, which was just so great and opened up all these topics for us to talk about. Yeah, some tricky topics. Yes. Um, then we watched parenthood, which were a little more advanced and a little more mature topics that we watched together and then talked about. And it was time for us to sort of pick our next series. And she said, oh, I want to watch this 13 Reasons Why. And I said, oh, did you know anything about it at that? Barely. Moment? barely I had just heard about it and I said but isn't that about suicide that seems a little dark perhaps we could pick something light and airy yes please yes please (laughs) because I just do this you know because it should be fun um and it does certainly open doors and 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 windows and whatever little cracks for us to talk about whatever it is we're watching but she sort of insisted she said you know mom I'm almost 17 and Mm. I'm going to watch it Mm. and I said you know what you're you're right. I, I I mean And I love that she was so honest with she you. She really was. You. And mm-hmm. she was. She wasn't be, saying it in a she wasn't saying it in a defiant way. What I think what she was saying is she was gonna end up at someone's house and they're gonna be watching yeah. it and it's so prevalent that everyone has watched it. Wow. Um so she knew a lot about it. She said, No, I heard it's really good. We really need to watch it and I said, But mm. it's about suicide and it concerns me and so if you're going to watch it anyway, we will watch it together. And so I braced myself and, and being a mental health professional, I thought, well, if you're watching it, then so are my patients and perhaps I do need to watch it and figure out what it is that everybody's being exposed to. Mm. And then I was even more horrified, Mm. just horrified. And for the
0: record, we're real grown ups, you yes. and I, and so we can you know we have a, a lot of water under our bridges and and some education and so forth that should be protective of our minds and our hearts and it is a great gift to have that and yet and yet I felt traumatized. Mm-hmm. I felt like mm. I had witnessed two
1: very graphic rape scenes, Ugh. very graphic um And an extremely graphic suicide that Mm. that happens. We watch it real time. Mm. And then um, what happens as a result of that suicide um, is that another suicide occurs Mm. due to a friend feeling guilty over the suicide. So there's so much that happens within these 13 episodes that is beyond my comfort level as a 47-year-old. I don't know how teenage brains or even pre-adolescent brains are absorbing this information. And I know that so many parents are not aware of it. And so our if, if all that happens today is that a couple of parents watch this or open up dialogue with their kids to say, whoa, tell me about the show you were watching yes. and let's talk about it because the content was just so disturbing.
0: It sounds like to me, Donna, that... of of the graphic nature you know I can just feel in my chest that certainly this would not be good for me and certainly really not good for anybody when it doesn't sound like to be watching this I think one of the things that you mentioned was that you could tell that the intentions seemed to be good but the way that the show actually progressed you had some concerns one of them was that parents none of the characters ever consulted with their parents during the whole series it's like a perfect example of what not to do
1: the show was a perfect example of what not to do if someone is having suicidal thoughts because it's
0: being touted as 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 as, okay we need to get this out on the table and have this conversation and yet one of the most protective things speaking to your parents Mm -hmm who can help you get help or even another trusted adult. Right. No, there was was that. So that happened in the very last episode, spoiler
1: alert, that the main character who does commit suicide does attempt to have a conversation with her guidance counselor at school and Mm. it just doesn't go anywhere. Wow. And it really is sort of the last straw for her that she made a half hearted attempt to discuss her feelings with him and, he just didn't quite pick up on it, didn't mm. quite ask the right questions, mm. and it didn't get addressed. So, And, and, and w- one of the other things I was telling you is there were some concerned parents who knew there were problems, and there were some concerned parents saying, what's going on? What's going on? Talk to me. Talk to me. Yes. Kids were refusing. But there was one of uh, one of the main characters, his parents were completely absent throughout the entire series, and I thought, that's really interesting and saying something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They were just not even there. We don't know what they look like. They, they never showed up.
0: There's messages that are more direct, but there's mm-hmm. also those insidious yeah. messages that are almost even more detrimental mm-hmm. in certain ways. So that we have the very, very graphic nature of it, as well as these kind of subversive kind of uh, messages that are being given to young people who are already in a developmental stage where they're not so inclined to go to parents with really difficult things and it's feeding them the idea that this is the right thing to do. Was suicide glorified at all in in terms of this is, this is just another option. Well, I've heard that discussed
1: a lot since I've started reading more about the series and watching more about the series. And I've heard people use that terminology and I don't know that I'm comfortable using that terminology But I can say that the gist of the show is that a girl commits suicide and then from the grave gets back at the people she thinks caused her suicide. So there's a lot of blaming, blaming people for her decision to commit suicide. Uh, She leaves tapes behind that are specific to people who have harmed her and bullied Mm. her. Mm. So there's that layer of this, too. There was bullying. There was harm. Social media media pictures that went around of her reputation that was spread about her untruths that Mm. were spread about her. So she was very hurt by people and then was able in effect by making these tapes was able to get back at them from Mm. the, from the grave. Mm. So I don't know, is that glorifying suicide? Perhaps I think Mm. maybe. Mm,
0: mm, yeah. mm. Wow. Well, you know, as I'm listening to you and hearing more and more about this, and it is indeed more directly about suicidality, but just by virtue of all of these different elements that, that we're talking about here today, is it legitimate to say or to even ponder and think that just watching the series could incite? PTSD or at least some acute stress?
1: I think it probably could because it is so graphic. I mean, the rape scenes are just so uncomfortable to watch. And there is a uh, one scene of one rape where the girl dissociates and Mm. it almost (laughs) looks like she doesn't quite say no.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that can also be, I think, misinterpreted as, well, was she even really raped? Mm-hmm. She because never did. She consent, right? Which but is, she clearly, from a from a psychiatric point of view, you can see her face goes blank and she dissociates. And mm-hmm. but if you're a teenager watching it, I've wondered, do they know what's happening there? I'm right. sure they don't, right? And it looks like she may have been okay with what was going on. Mm -hmm. And she clearly was not. So that made me also very disturbed watching that because she shuts down the main character. And then there is this episode at the very, well, it's not even at the end. This, another thing that has to do with that is that there was discussion among professionals about this particular scene In an after show called Beyond the Reasons. Okay, tell us about that. So, there is an after show that is not part of the 13 episodes, sadly. It should have been episode fourteen, so it just goes right in. I don't know if you've ever watched these streaming shows, but if you're watching, no. <laughs> if you're watching one, it ends and you've got about ten seconds, and it rolls right into the next one.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So that's how people binge watch a
0: good. Day. Oh, okay. I've heard that.
1: Yes, I've, I've fallen subject to that. <laughs> you're way times. more educated on <laughs> this than I am. <laughs> well, the sad thing is, this Beyond the Reasons show does not roll over. So if you've watched thirteen reasons why. Um, you, and you don't happen to know about beyond the reasons, uh, you might not know to go and search it out, wow. but in beyond, how do you
0: think that is? I, that sounds to me, very
1: disturbed by why mm. it's not attached. Um, because in beyond the reasons, the author of the book, so this is based on a book. The author speaks about why he wanted it to be so graphic. He himself had been suicidal for quite some time and he felt like the graphic nature of Pain and hurt would discourage people. Okay, so his so intentions his, were right. Good, his intention.
0: What? What is? I'm just curious. What his profession is, or what? I his, don't know. We don't know. I don't know. So he's not. He he himself is not I a mental know. health Mm-mm. provider. Okay. No,
1: but they consulted and had um, several people on this Beyond the Reason show, which is just talking about the series. They consulted with a psychol- psychologist a child psychiatrist and an adult psychiatrist. And then there's this other lady that I'm not quite sure what she does, but so there were several professionals that were being interviewed about their point of view of the show. many of them had been consultants during the filming of the show, Mm -hmm. it appeared Mm -hmm. and they seemed to think that it was important that we as a society be more aware about and be more open to discussing bullying Mm-hmm. suicide, and all of the topics mm-hmm. that were covered, rape even. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was honorable in their attempts to try to get us to talk about it. The problem is parents aren't aware their kids are watching it.
0: And that was a, a recurring theme throughout each episode, right? But only in that 14th Beyond the Reasons episode does that come up. Is that Only correct? in the 14th episode.
1: Uh, well, it's not even the 14th episode. The, the separate, the, completely the separate, separate
0: mm-hmm show called Beyond
1: the Reasons, do they actually discuss suicide and, and the light that they were trying to shine on it? Mm-hmm. I do not think they were successful in doing so.
0: Mm-hmm. Because why
1: not? Tell me why, what are your reasons for I that? I think they were not successful in shining a light on getting help for suicide because nobody in the show did anything mm-hmm. even resembling mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so if they were trying to guide us to get help, they didn't guide mm. us in mm-hmm. any way. I mean, it's just everything again, what not to do. And kids don't extrapolate from right. I mean, teenagers don't extrapolate like that. They don't see a show and go, Oh, they're telling me everything not to do. And so right. I should flip it on its head and, and do the opposite and tell my parents and go see someone. And kids are not going to extrapolate. They see the here and the now they see that this girl was able to get back at her bullies and that it worked
0: wow. and
1: it was awful and traumatizing Mm. to me again. Traumatizing. Yes. I mean, I don't want to overplay that, but it really was, I can't stop
0: thinking about it. And it was so graphic. And, And once you said that to me during our conversation, I mean, I just intuited that in my own, I could feel it in my own body. And I thought, well, if you, you, and I know you, and with all of your, your first of all, your beautiful heart, but more impor- not more importantly, but in addition to that, your education, your profession, your experience, and what you do every single day. And to admit that a series that streamed had that effect on you is very powerful and something that I thought, well, we have to talk about this. So I'm wondering what you're seeing as a result of this in your practice. Are you seeing any repercussions from this series at Family Focus? You know, it's hard to track that, but I believe that
1: I am. And I think just within the last couple of weeks, I've had personally not even calls through the front desk, but personally to my cell phone calls from four different people who have had suicidal teenagers. Wow. So that's not a typical week for me. Mm -hmm. And so I I started wondering what was up and I was watching the series during this time and I started thinking, I believe these events might be related. We do know that kids who are exposed to suicide have an increased risk. Mm -hmm. And with us watching a very graphic suicide, I feel like I've been exposed to it. Yeah. You know, so yeah,
0: that absolutely,
1: I, I don't know how it doesn't increase your risk on some level. And, and in the show, it also shows that the survivors of suicide are at increased risk because there's a guilt that they carry. Yes. And there is again, I think I mentioned earlier, there is a second suicide that occurs as a result of these tapes that blame others. So thought um, yeah. it's contagious. in a It way is, it yes.
0: is. We've seen that in the yeah. past, you know, over and over again, as you live longer, you see these kinds of things where it just like you said, like a virus, it's mm-hmm. contagious. And it, it seems to be and it, it's really interesting, how and why that happens. You know, on one hand, people are so very, very sad to see this happen. And yet, you're tempted toward that. And you mm-hmm. you're drawn toward that. It seems it's right. so paradox, you know, because mm-hmm. on one hand, you see the horror of it. And then you're Some people may be tempted toward that. And you have groups, I can remember even just in this community over the course of my life, having groups of teenagers who over a period of time will commit suicide one after the other. Mm -hmm. It seems like to me that at least I have the concern as I listen to you and, and do a little reading on this series that this series may be having a counterproductive effect, dare I say. That's
1: my gut instinct is to sort of shout to the world, at least be informed about it, at least educate yourself about it, talk to your kids about it. They are watching it. They have or, or have already seen it. So it is so frightening to think that an adolescent brain would have seen this series, not spoken to an adult about it and be carrying this around on yes. their own with their brains that think so in the here and now. Yes, You know, they really don't think futuristically and we know yeah. that not right. one. And it's not going to happen to me. No, nope, I'm not going to happen to me. Nope. They don't think longitudinally and things will get better. And here they are at finals here. They are in prom season when maybe they didn't get asked by, whoever they wanted to go with and it's finals and kids are are graduating, leaving for college, moving away from parents, moving away from their support system, even moving away from their friends. I mean, it's summer is a, a lonely time for a lot of kids. Yeah. So I'm even more concerned about the adolescents who have been exposed to this and will be in a time of transition or alone Mm-hmm. And their parents or loved ones or teachers won't be there necessarily right. to see signs that they may be at risk. What if they're you know off at camp or what if they're away for the summer or just in their room locked up? Right. You know, and the parents are at work. I'm extremely concerned about that. That these adolescent brains, without input, may be enticed mm-hmm. by how effective. The main character's response was to her m- mistreatment.
0: Yes. And it's really, mm-hmm. really sad, too, because it, there's so much that we can learn from our faith when we have bad things that happen to us, when people hurt us, and we hurt each other all the time. We live in a fallen world. But there's so much that our faith can inform us and help mend our hearts and minds to help us to deal with some of these things in ways that do not harm us and harm other people. And it just, it seems so sad to me to hear this about this young woman who not only did she commit suicide and she lost her life and, you know, people, her parents and and other loved ones that mourn her loss, but she in a way stuck it to other people You know, it just is so sad to me. And I'm curious whether or not it doesn't sound to me that there was a faith element in the series. But I wonder if there was any faith element at all. Completely missing. No, no. So you have no opportunity for hope. Nothing. That's sad to me. That's really sad to me. And you and I both know that's very, very important. Mm Because when bad stuff happens, we do have without Christian hope then you do sort of, I, I think it just causes that catapulting towards um, desolation and despair. Well, and what what is, where's the answer? You know? Right. End and, it all. And you know?
1: adolescents have such a self-oriented point of view anyway. And yeah. so... I I do think the series reflects that. It is everyone Mm -hmm. in the series has a self-oriented. But what do you do with
0: that, right? You know, right. So if you're a parent listening, I bet you have a question or two right now, or you might be thinking, "Well, wow, that's so awesome that." Donna, Dr. Donna Farguson, child adolescent psychiatrist, had the forethought um, in mind to sit with her 17-year-old daughter, and they they watched the show together, and they had dialogue. But I don't have that education. I don't have that experience. I don't have a real good communication with my child. But I'm worried, and I'm concerned. What can I do? How can I begin to open up that dialogue or that conversation with my child about whether they've watched the series, what they thought about it? And two, where can I get more information to so that I can be informed to be able to minister to my child? Mm -hmm. So on our
1: Family Focus Facebook page, we have posted several articles that we think are pretty helpful. Great. Uh, one is written by Suzanne Jones, who is a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and she's also a licensed clinical social worker. Awesome. And she is with us at family focus and she wrote a beautiful article about why we should care about 13 reasons why. And then the APA, the American Psychiatric Association wrote someone within that association wrote a really nice article that we posted on our family focus Facebook page as well. So, you can certainly just Google it, but I, I worry a little bit about just random articles that might also.
0: Oh, there's a bl- lot. glorify. Right, yeah. Um, so you have I, to be discerning and you so do. careful you do. about how you inform yourself because there are all kinds of sometimes dissonant opinions about what you should or should not do. Right. And so it's very, very important to be cautious and discerning. And I would say prayerful mm-hmm. about the information that you utilize to, um, for your family and for your child. So tell us, can you talk to us a little bit about suicidality and what are some of the signs that if a parent is seeing in their child that should be cause for concern? Right. That is so
1: super important. Again, look this up and maybe print it out. I think for you parents listening, because I can list off all kinds of things. It doesn't mean it's going to stick in your brain, but what you do need to know is that suicide is the second leading cause of death in this age group. Oh my goodness. Yes, it is. I was going to try to find wow. that. Wow. Yes. Second leading cause of death for ages 10 through 24. That's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. That second is only to accidents. Wow. Has that moved up? Because I... I think it has. Cause last I looked, it was third and now it's, which is to be also awful, mm-hmm. but right And and here's another statistic that's interesting. Is it talking about youth suicide statistics? There is information here that I was able to find that states that more teenagers and young adults die from suicide than from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, stroke, pneumonia, flu and chronic lung disease combined. My goodness. So my goodness. And also four out of five teens who attempt suicide have given clear warnings. So that, and that's answer, yeah.
0: yes. To that point, what to are the clear point. warnings? Cause it, maybe it's not so clear.
1: Do you know? I don't think it is so clear because so often teenagers are dramatic. And yes. so often teenagers say, I hate my life. I all the time. I, yes, I, I wish hear I could die. I wish I were never born. Um, so those are actually some of the ac- some of the warnings, mm-hmm. um, but they are quite common in teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's hard to tease that out. So Would you y- say you have to take it into yes. context of yes. other
0: signs and symptoms.
1: Absolutely, take it into context and dig and dig a little deeper. And so many parents have expressed to me throughout my years of assessing suicidality, they've said, "Well, I don't want to ask my kid if they're suicidal because I don't want to put that idea in their head." And my answer is, "That's a myth. It's right? a myth." It is absolutely a myth. You're not going to put suicidal thoughts into someone's head. It's not possible. Right. But if you, as a parent, let, or or as an adult, let a kid or anyone know that you're willing to go there with them and say, hey, I care how you're feeling. Do you happen to feel suicidal? It's way easier for someone to nod or shake their head no than for them to come up with the words themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So... So it's
1: extremely important to ask. And if someone says, yes, they are suicidal, find out what that means. Because some people use the word suicidal lightly. Mm -hmm. Some people use the word suicide to mean, oh, I sort of just wish I had never been born. And that would be more of a passive kind of thought, right? I call that a passive death wish. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that we're in the problem-free zone. (laughs) Right, that's right. It doesn't mean problem-free, but it is maybe the acuity is not quite there what you really want to pay attention to if someone says yes i want to harm myself i want to die Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking Mm. about ways to do it then Mm. the the next question would be do you have a plan Um, and these are
0: scary things it's scary to ask those questions break your heart but you it's life-saving yes potentially to yes. do these things
1: because often a kid or, or adult or anyone who feels this way feels a sense of relief that someone's willing to go absolutely there
0: with them. absolutely yeah. and, and people kids well i think everybody really can really sense your genuineness when you very gently and lovingly but firmly and directly right ask these questions that will help tease out where those distorted thoughts are mm-hmm. or are there distorted thoughts, first of all. But secondly, where are we? What level, what acuity level are we at? And it's scary to ask these things. But if you remember that it is a myth that you can plant ideas, right. but no adult, no parent certainly wants to Think it's an agony in your heart to think that your child might be having these thoughts, but it is absolutely life saving to ask. Mm -hmm. And it really communicates your love to them, Mm -hmm. that you're willing to ask the difficult questions and to get them the help they need. So I'm looking at an article that you sent. It says it talks about some of the things that you've mentioned, but also some other signs giving away prized possessions. You know, starting to give away things that are, that are special to them, to whomever, a cousin, a, a brother or a sister, you know, sometimes it's hard to put those things together because they're doing it kind of quietly right. and it's so sad after someone harms themselves or kills themselves people tend to come together and they're like, oh well they gave me such and such oh I'm, I they said such and such to me it's like no one had the full picture mm-hmm. and it's really, really sad. Do you see that? Oh, yeah. Do you see that too? Oh, yeah. Also, this article states being Preoccupied with death in conversation, so it's yeah. not even these active, passive, necessarily death wishes or death thoughts, but just sort of, would you say, a negativity or or a pondering death, asking what happens
1: after you die? I wonder what what happens to a person after death. Uh-huh. Or, you know, table mm-hmm. conversation with, mm-hmm. with parents at dinner: what happens after death? And a preoccupation in that way, or watching a lot of. Death related shows yes. and things like that. Yes, I think. listening
0: um, to death related music, music. Right. Lots of art, too. You see a lot of really mm-hmm. dark kinds of art. This mentions also changes in behavior or appearance or right. thoughts or. Change, I oh, think, j- is the cha- important it's word. Exactly, there. from what you know the essence of that person is. Right. right.
1: When you know your kid and then they're doing something completely different, the flag should go up and the question should be what's happening here? Are grades dropping mm-hmm. uh, when your child normally makes pretty good grades? Is your child staying at home and in their room when they're normally pretty social? Are they not eating when normally they have a voracious appetite? You know, those are, are pretty clear signs of depression, but depression is often the the thing that precipitates the exactly. suicide. Exactly. Sometimes suicide can happen, on, you know, without a long depression. So don't right. be fooled by that either. I think sometimes suicide can also happen as a result of other self-harm, like mm-hmm. cutting. Mm-hmm. So maybe someone is a cutter, but they're not, clinically depressed, but they've used cutting as a way to deal with pain or suffering or whatever. And sometimes that goes wrong. Yeah. Attention seeking. You know, we have so many cases of people who might overdose in a way to get attention, but then they actually overdose because no one noticed and no one came in time and things like that. So, so even if someone's really dramatic and we think, oh, they're just so dramatic, they just want attention. It's still important. It's still
0: important. And if you act like you're going to harm yourself, you have to execute (laughs) getting help. You 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 can't use it as a manipulation. I mean, you got, if you got to be responsible for that, behavior. Right. right. So- and
1: that's something they brought up in the show is that this girl's decision to commit suicide, because she does kind of blame others. But in the after show, they talked about it really ultimately was her decision to kill herself and that it's not someone else's fault when someone chooses suicide. Right. So it was hard for those left behind because they did but they did feel a lot of guilt
0: because they participated and maybe some of the bullying or whatever it was that,
1: that... but people ultimately do make their own decisions. And, um, it's important not to blame oneself if you're one of the bystanders. Yes, There's so many layers. I, I wish we had four yeah. hours to talk about exactly it there's so many things so many little there pieces are. we could go at here
0: there are and there are other there are other signs too and i'll post these links that you mentioned earlier as well as some additional ones for resources for parents and other adults and for for young people mm-hmm. too that are looking that have been left disconcerted by what they've seen and hungry for more information, valid good information that can help them process what they're thinking and what they're feeling. Well, and also because they're coming up with an a bit, uh, season 2. Oh, stop it. No. Oh I'm not no. Kidding. Season 2 well, is coming up.
1: So, if you haven't been informed before season 1, please at least get informed. What else could possibly need to be said? I, I mean, my maybe understanding th- is its more fallout fallout from the suicide. Yes.
0: Which brings up a point that Mm -hmm. we never act alone. Mm -hmm. We think we're making this isolated act, whether it be suicidality or cutting or some other, whatever behavior it is, but there's always an effect on people that love Mm -hmm. and people that you perceive don't love you. (laughs) You know, there's fallout as Mm -hmm. you mentioned. So we never actually act alone. So we want to, we're getting close to our end time here. And there, are, like you said, there's so many layers and avenues that we could go down that it's so important not to leave today without giving people some resources. Right. Okay. So
1: one is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And that is a phone number. It's 1-800-273-TALK. T-A-L-K. Okay. Repeat that, please. 1-800-273-TALK. Okay, great. And that's 8225 is the okay. TALK. So, there is also a texting resource as a crisis text line. You can text 741741. As we know, teens are sometimes more prone to text yes. than talk. That's so, it's right. nice to have that resource as well. And then we had mentioned that the American Psychiatric Association does have a really nice article yes. about this. Yes, so.
0: and I will definitely be yeah. posting that. Nice article with a lot of good information. Is there any other tip or final pearl of wisdom that you would like to leave today as a caution or good guidance?
1: You know, I guess I would say if you do see signs that concern you, we do have these hotlines and the numbers that we gave, but reaching out to your pediatrician, yes, reaching out to a counselor, in your community Mm -hmm. and bringing it to the attention of a mental health professional if one is available. Sometimes people are too scared to go there that's okay. You can go see your pediatrician first, or, you know, talk to someone who may be able to plug you into a resource that is going to be comfortable for you. I know people do sometimes shy away from mental health, but I would beg you not to in these situations. Yes.
0: Begin reaching out, gather your tribe, Mm -hmm. as they say, because you do need to be surrounded with support and help. Well, thank you as always for your heart, for your expertise, for your time. For just how much you care, Dr. Donna Farguson, child, you. adolescent psychiatrist. I hope you'll come back again. I'm sure there'll be other things that we well, need to we talk about. we will have about. season two to talk about, I'm You're sure. right yes. about that. We'll be all over it. Well, thanks okay. again. Thank you, Stacey. Such a powerful episode today of the show about suicidality, one of the areas in the bigger ultimate issue of the culture of death that we currently live in, that we are currently raising our families in, that we are currently suffering through as a culture, as a society, as human persons who were made in the image and likeness of God with his very image stamped into our bodies as male and female, made to be in that divine intimacy with the Blessed Trinity and with each other. One of those avenues that I look forward to having conversation about on the podcast has to do with the culture of death. What does that mean in our everyday practical life with the challenges that we face many times in our own personal lives or in the lives of those we love, but also we see all over the news with mercy killings and euthanasia and so forth and so on. There are many, many ways in which the culture of death manifests itself Some ways are more obvious, some ways are not. I want to draw your attention to a beautiful document written by St. John Paul II in 1995. Absolutely beautiful, very easy to read, and it will illustrate some of these areas that I'm speaking of today. In fact, this is one of the documents, one of the places in which he explains the culture of death versus the culture of life. It's called Evangelium Vitae. That's Latin for the gospel of life, and you can find it for free if you just Google that. But I'm going to put a link down below for you in the show notes so that you can access that very, very easily. And I would encourage you, I would invite you to take a read, to take a moment. It won't take you long to read it, but it is so beautifully written and it will inspire your heart to know how much God loves you and how much your life means It's far beyond what our human minds can even fathom. And it's so awesome, so awesome. And we need that Christian hope of knowing our dignity and of the love that God has for us in order to be able to make it through this life, to experience the joy, to experience the abundance that he desires for us, to experience that intimacy with him that he desires for each one of us. And though there is so, so, so much more to say about this topic, this very, very important topic, this is a wrap on this preseason episode of the Faith and Good Counsel show. I hope you head on over to the blog at stacygallino.com for the show notes for today's episode, as well as other content that may be of interest to you. And I love connecting with my listeners and I'd be so delighted to hear from you. So please consider subscribing so that you'll receive notice of new content as it's posted or you can leave me a question or a comment at the Ask Stacy button found right there on the homepage at stacygalino.com. And for those questions or comments that are not confidential, which I hold all of them as confidential until I check with you, I will be doing a mailbag series on my upcoming season of Faith and Good Counsel. I'm really excited about that. I received a whole lot of questions and comments and suggestions over the years, and I'm looking forward to addressing some of those in a Q&A or a mailbag type of segment on the program. So do send those questions or comments or suggestions to me. I'd love to hear from you. You can just press that. Ask Stacy button on the homepage, and that email comes right directly to me. Until we are together again, my dear friends, Pox Christi, y'all. I'll see you next time here on the Faith and Good Counsel Show. Bye bye for now.